Welcome to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Look to the folks at Farm Bureau Health Plans when you need someone who understands the X's and O's of health care coverage. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. I'm Amy Wells and I am so pleased to welcome you to our new show. Dave McGinnis, better known as Coach Mac. He's also here. And Mac, this is it. We have finally arrived at our first Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast. Are you so excited? Been looking so forward to this. And this is really going to be good. I mean, you know, for our listeners, and I hope we get a million of them, this is going to be uh, interesting, informative, and it's going to be fun. And, uh, you know, what we did, you know, when this was presented to us, we just, we were going to do something different. And we were going to try to get a hold of guests and people that don't do these things. I've got a few people in my phone. And we went through it, and we, we had meetings and, and put together who we would like to talk about over the, a variety of subjects concerning the National Football League, but from a lot of different perspectives. This is going to be fun. I'm so looking forward to this. I'm really happy we're doing it. Yes, and I like that you set the goal of a million people listening to it. I don't even think that's lofty. I think that's doable. So we're going to run with a million listeners and hope that we make that happen. But really, we're so excited. There are so many different aspects to the National Football League. And there's the football and the stuff you see on the field, of course. But there's so many other things that kind of orbit around this world that is the National Football League. So excited to be able to bring a little glimpse of that to the fans and be able to pull back the curtain on things that we discuss, what our experiences are. And yes, a lot of the people that we are privileged to interact with and have conversations with, really sharing that with the listeners Hopefully there's something for everybody on this show. A Titans fan, an NFL fan, or just a person who likes good conversation. We're going to have it all. Yeah, and I think we come to it from two different perspectives, too, which is great. I mean, you know, I've, I've been in this league longer than you've been alive. That's true. And so I can, I, can, I, can, I can bring some perspective, and you bring a very unique perspective to it. You've been, you've been in, the, in the National Football League for 10 years, 11 years? 11 years. 11 years, and so the, it's a nice perspective. And, and this is what, why I was so excited about doing this, because there is so much more than the three hours and 10 minutes you see on television. So much more, and the people surrounding it. There are so many more people in involved than just the players and coaches on the field and it encompasses everybody and you and I have experienced uh, all of them so that's what we'll do this is going to be so much fun and I think for our first episode we should really just hop right into it because the Tennessee Titans are one and one and they are coming off of a really exciting win in Seattle against the Seahawks and I don't want to dwell on it too much because you know a lot of this stuff has been talked about but I do think that we need to acknowledge how big of a win that was and the momentum that it could potentially create for this Titans team as a coach do you think it's important to burn a game like that and move on really quickly because there's a lot of emotion involved in that or do you kind of try to linger on some of the key parts that were really good about it and bring that into the next week well key parts you've got to you got to concentrate on what was really good and what was really bad about it because that's what you have to clean up but you don't burn the win you can't you can't burn the win and especially it was an nfc game we'd already lost one game to an nfc team we needed to we needed to win to win that ball game because after that ball game we've got a stretch of afc games and for our listeners i know they're they're smart enough to know that afc games count a lot more because that's the way you, you win the tournament 
uh, first of all, by being able to get in the tournament and by winning your division in the AFC. And so that was very important to get back on track. And so that was it was a huge win. Now, what you cannot do is dwell on the win and the euphoria of the win so much that you lose sight of what's of what is coming up, because what's coming up is even bigger than that game. But it was very exciting. Really tough place to play. I've coached there for I think twelve times as an, an opposing coach. It's a, it, it, it's you. It's an accomplishment to win a game there because first of all the team's good that you're playing. Second of all, the atmosphere is second to none. The atmosphere is something that we need to discuss a little bit because this was my first time being at Lumen Field. I had never experienced that, and honestly, I was a little hesitant to really embrace the the loudness of it all you know I was I've been burned before when I'm promised oh my gosh the atmosphere is crazy and then it's kind of like it's not that great (laughs) so I I I was guarded going into this experience and um, kind of forgot about it honestly because when I'm in the game I have my little ears in so I can hear the broadcast and I'm kind of focused on what I'm doing and I ended up getting a text message just hey what is the atmosphere like and I kind of forgot about it so I popped my ears out for a series and I was just listening to the crowd and I will tell you what it lived up to the hype it was like Every single down, every single play was the most important third down of the most intense playoff game you've ever been to. And it could be a second down that within the grand scheme of things is of very little consequence, you know? So they're bringing the energy, they're bringing that noise every single play. And that is what was so impressive to me, that the energy level only dropped when the Titans started turning that game around. That's when it got quiet, quiet. Yeah, they're very sophisticated and they're engaged fans, and they are from the start. They've always taken great pride in being the 12th man, 12th person, however you want to say it. And that, and that stadium is cantilevered to bring all the noise in. It's the loudest outdoor stadium I've ever been in, and I've been in one or two. And it, it was – I mean, it was – it is incredibly loud, and as a as, – just as you – as a broadcaster had to had to block it out so do the players and the coaches but it's very challenging because they don't stop they do not stop the whole time and they're sophisticated enough to know when to really get loud and so it, it's a it's a it's a great environment i always loved it as an opposing coach because it just there's so much energy in there and you can feed off of that energy but you have to be able to adjust to it and you have to be able to manage it Let's talk about some other things that the Tennessee Titans had to adjust to, and uh, that's officiating. If you have listened to Titans radio pretty much ever since (laughs) Coach Mack has been here, you know his feelings about officiating and officials. And I feel like they were very involved in this game versus the Seattle Seahawks. Too involved. Okay, see, there we go. And it wasn't a big deal because the Tennessee Titans ended up pulling out the game in the end. They got the win. So, I mean, everything is everything. However, they could have had a major impact in the outcome of that game. Major impact. And, again, and I, I'm not against officials. In all the years I was in the league, I got along very well with, with the officiating department. But what I want is I want it, – it's a professional game, so I want professional officiating. And, and when I don't see it, just like, you know, when I was coaching, if I didn't see professional performance from my players, I would call it out. And so as a broadcaster now, I will call this out because I know the listeners. I've had so many listeners in the last five seasons tell me, Mac, you're saying just what we're thinking. And so this ball game, you are 100% right. They were too involved, and there were some egregious calls – 
on both sides, but I don't care about if they were egregious against uh, the Seahawks. <laughs> I don't care. But I did care about the egregious calls against the Titans that could have made a big difference in that game because that game was tight, and there were some big difference calls that were made that, uh, to me, should not ever have been an, an issue. I mean, we had a touchdown from Julio that, by the way, was a touchdown, that was called a touchdown. Then it went to New York where you've got two different people now doing the reviews, and they then wherever – one of them, Perry Fuel, is a, is, was a, is an ex-coach. He wasn't, he's not an official, so you never know what they're going to do. Well, they reversed that wrong. Okay. <laughs> then you have this, the, the safety on Russell Wilson at the end of the game. The end of the game, game over. All right. But they called him forward progress out on the one. Wrong. All right. That's the other one. And then the spot on third down over there on the sideline away from the Titans bench that was that was critical because it was it was down in the, in the minus part of the field for Seattle, and they would have had to have punt from down there. And uh, Sarah Thomas, the, the, the line judge, she, she marked it wrong. And so that would have been a that would have been an issue, you know. Now they had a taunting call called on them that was a huge call in the game. Now, taunting to me in in this they warned you that they were going to call them. Mm-hmm. They've already called 11 of them in the, in this season right now. So, when they say that they're going to emphasize something, Amy, they mean it. You remember two seasons ago when they said we're going to emphasize holding? They mean it. Yes. And so you've got to adjust your game to that. Anyway, I, I love the officials, and I but I want them to be professional about it, and that's very important. And that professionalism, I guess, there's a lot of different ways to establish that. You need consistency. You need training. You need all of those things, correct? I mean, it is a hard, stressful job, what they're being asked well, to do. Well, and it starts up at the top. It starts at the people that are at the top over the officials because – and, and these, these officials, we've changed a lot in the last five years. you had a lot of experienced officials get out. You've had a lot of inexperienced pe- people come in. And so the people that are at the top are what are important. So just as you said, that training can filter down. Well, it's – Interesting that you mentioned the people at the top, Coach Mack, because our guest is Mike Pereira, the former vice president of officiating for the National Football League. The best, the absolute best. He doesn't do these things either. You know, I called and asked, uh, we're doing a podcast with Titans Amy and Coach Mack. He said, I'm in. He's the best. But I know this, you know, because when I was a head coach, Jeff Fisher introduced me to him when I first, you know, came into the league as a head coach. And and I could call him for anything, but he had control of it. And he understood and he could explain it in such a great way that you that you understood. Didn't always agree with him, but at least you got a, a an explanation that made sense to you. And you could see it, you know, through his eyes and then through the official's eyes. Plus, he's a very good friend of mine because he's really good at what he does. He's still really good at what he does. But, uh, yeah, I was really excited when Mike agreed to do this with us, and uh, he's fantastic. All right, let's check out our conversation with Mike Pereira. He is the former vice president of officiating for the National Football League. He spent 14 years with the NFL, and then he joined Fox Sports, and he provides essential commentary and analysis as an NFL and college football rules and analyst. Pereira has also been involved in the game of football since 1982 when he started his career as an NCAA Division I official. He spent 14 years as a college official before making the jump to the pros. And in addition to all of that, he's also contributed to the sport off the field, launching battlefields to ball fields in 2017. This specific foundation provides scholarships to veterans and provides an opportunity for them to integrate back into civilian life through officiating. 
so many awesome things Mike Pereira is doing, and we are so happy to have you here with us today. Mike, thank you for taking the time to be with us. Hey, listen, it is my pleasure um, since day one when I first met Coach Mack, like I was a fan, like pretty much everybody else. And so it's just awesome to be with you. Now we've got to start with a little origin story. How did Coach Mack and Mike Pereira get to know each other? Let me jump in on that. Uh, we've got <laughs> we've got a real close friend in Jeff Fisher, both of us. And, and Jeff Fisher was on the competition committee, you know, for for over sixteen years when he was the head coach of the National Football League. And Mike Pereira has always been an important part of the National Football League, even for before he be, became the vice president of officiating. You know, there are some guys, just like there are some players and there are some coaches, once they enter into the National Football League, everybody understands these guys have got the timber that it takes to go to the top. Well, coaches always recognize that in Mike Pereira. When, when you know, I think in 1998, Mike, I, I think I'm correct, you, you, this is when you, you got one of the senior official positions in the league right. office. And then in 2000, when I became a head coach, the first guy I called was Jeff Fisher, and one of my questions was, look, Fish, I, I'm going to need some help here as far as being able to navigate as an interim head coach. And then, you know, later on, who do I call in the league office that can help me navigate some of these rule changes? And some of the – he said, Mac, there's only one person, Mike Pereira. And so – and then – Jeff introduced me to Mike, and then he, he was right. I mean, and if anybody meets Mike Pereira, and, and I'm not talking about just in the business. I'm talking about just out. You just know there's something special about him. So we've been very good friends for a long time, both professionally and personally. And so the thing that, 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 that you know when you meet people like this in the National Football League is that they are going to be friends for life. And Mike Pereira is one of those guys. Yeah, you know, and, and I, I have to say that uh, you, you know, you're right about friends for life if you meet the right people. And and Coach Mack, you know, I mean, this is bad, but and I probably never should say this, but obviously I got <laughs> to know you with the Cardinals and and uh, the Arizona Cardinals. And 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 a head of officiating should never say this, but I knew from day one that I wanted you to win. Um, and and you you kind of secretly, since I wasn't on the field, you secretly kind of rooted for you. You rooted for the nice guys, and and uh, you fell into that category with the the nice guys like the Mike Rileys of the world that spent some time with the San Diego Chargers, and and um, you know it, you you just had that way about you where you weren't you were you were sincere. Not to say that all coaches aren't sincere, but they're not. Um, you know, they, they, you know, you know, when they're talking to you as the head of officiating, they're, they're really trying to work you. And, 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 you know, it didn't take me long to figure that out. And, and coach Mack, you were never, you were never like that. And you, you treated me not only with respect, but you treated me as a friend. And, um, and it's amazing that the, out of the business for so long, or at least, um, you know, when we hadn't seen each other for a long time, we ran into each other at a hotel and whatever city was over dinner, you guys were having dinner, your group. And, and, and it was like old times. I mean, it was like, we hadn't, like we were together the day before and, and, um, I could count on one hand, um, easily. I could count on one hand, the number of head coaches who, have meant that much to me like you have that relationship that we have had 
albeit a relatively short one. I mean, I could easily do it on one hand, those coaches that I respect the most, and you're certainly one of them. Well, that's very kind of you, Mike. And, and again, you know the feeling's mutual. Now, do all head coaches have some sort of a direct line to the director or vice president of officiating? <laughs> that seems like a very high level to have to be dealing with 32 head coaches. Well, it is. And as Bill Belichick one time told me, not only are you dealing with 32, but more importantly, you're dealing in a full week, you're dealing with 16 losing coaches. Um, so uh, unlike unlike a head coach who who wins and who gets the experience of feeling the euphoria of winning, um, I had to deal most of the time with 16 losers. And they don't have a direct line, but it doesn't take them long to get to me. I mean, they they ended up having my cell phone numbers. And, and so if they if they really wanted to get to me, they could, you know, I learned early on the, the most valuable person in my relationship with most coaches was his assistant in the office. I would spend time with her because uh, we, we developed friendships that if like um, a situation when John Fox in Carolina, I mean, he would like be so mad on a Monday morning <laughs> He'd come in the office and he'd scream to his assistant, get Pereira on the phone now. <laughs> and, um, and so she would, she would dial a fake number into the phone and then, and then she would, you know, wait for a second and then, and then would say, Hey, he's not in the office, not in the office, but he should be in the office at about noon. Um, That's so, so good. By the time noon rolled around, he'd calm down. And um, so, so, I, I I loved those assistants, but and, you know my relationship with all of the coaches was really pretty good. At least most of the coaches, and and it was me that had to learn how to cultivate that relationship. And it, it was very simple, and it's the same way in any relationship, I guess, anywhere. Is I learned to listen, um, and I learned to uh, I learned to understand the passion and the pressure that these coaches are under. And, and, and I knew that even though sometimes, oftentimes I would get blasted or yelled at, um, it was never personal. It never was personal. It was frustration and we made mistakes. There's no doubt we make mistakes every week. And, um, and you just, you just learn how to listen and, um, and, 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 and honestly, it ended up to be kind of a fun part of the job. Mike, let me just say this, and I'm so glad that you brought that up because the, the interpersonal reactions you know, from head coaches, and you're right. I mean, we all know the pressures in this business. And when you become a head coach or you become senior vice president of officiating, I mean, you're at the top of the food chain. And so the pressures there are very much. But I can tell you this. You know, I've been in this league for 35 years now, and I know a lot of people. And everybody that I have ever interacted with coaching-wise and head coaches and former head coaches, you were the person that they had the utmost respect for because there are some people that you know just get it. And and you were able to explain things. And I'll say this, and, and, and you don't have to say it, but I will. But as a head coach sometimes, you know, your owner would come down to you after you, you, know, you lost a game and would want to know what's going on, what about this call, what about that call. And you were able to navigate those waters. But uh, there is a reason. There is a reason that you were the absolute best at what you did because coaches trusted you. Coaches trusted you, and that's a 
big, big thing. That's why the millions of viewers now that watch Fox, every when, when, when you're on with, with Troy and, and, and you guys and, 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 and you guys are talking through the game, whenever your point comes up, these millions of viewers, the way that you, you've got a God-given ability to explain it, and whether you agree with it or not, you come away going, that makes sense. And so, believe me. Well, that might be, hey, Coach Mack, that might be true for the viewers, but I don't think that applies to social media. Um, I think the, the Twitter people seem to never agree with me, and uh, the Twitter people love to take shots at me. But, you know, it's interesting when, when we talk about the coaches' um, respect that they had for me. It, it's, it, it's really amazing how when I first started out in the office um, in New York, and in the head of officiating, I would go to games. Um, and so um, I wouldn't actually talk to coaches until at the very earliest Monday afternoon. And most of the time it was Tuesday. And and then as I stayed in the office and we set up the command center, then, then all of a sudden those conversations happened on Monday morning um, instead of Tuesday morning or Monday afternoon. And then all of a sudden when they got my cell phone number i don't even know how many times i talked to jeff fisher when he was in his damn pickup truck um, <laughs> on the way to his ranch um after the game just after the game and then the topper was i mean i had never had this happen but um, i'm watching a game i'm watching a seattle game jim moore is the coach and and i'm watching the game and there's two plays in the first half a pass interference call and a replay decision and um and seattle goes into the locker room behind at halftime and that was the only one of two games i think that we had going on at that time and i walked to the conference room to get a piece of cold pizza because it was halftime <laughs> and as i'm walking there i walked by my office and my phone's ringing and i thought well i look and it's a seattle area code so i pick it up and answer it it's jim mora come halftime, screaming at me about the two calls in the first half and i'm like going you gotta be kidding me do you realize that this half is only 12 minutes long i mean do you, do you think you know you're down by 14 do you want to make an adjustment or two as opposed to calling me and yelling at me and and since you've called me i agree the pass interference call was not a good call but the replay decision was a hundred percent right oh that's and, so um, great I, and, and i just like went hung up the phone and going whoa too many people have my number now i mean <laughs> that they could they could call me at halftime but while i'm eating cold pizza in the offices in new york but it, it was he was also the guy mora when he was in atlanta he was the guy that basically showed me or at least got me to listen to the sound that a phone makes when it's been thrown and it's been <laughs> flying through the air. So you heard that, <laughs> you know, before a crash uh, against, the, against the wall. This is so great, Mike. So many, so many great conversations that, um, that I had with coaches. Um, and, you know, some good, some bad, but it was always very interesting.
not only are you responsible for explaining what might have happened during a game, but you have to implement the new rules before a season starts. And that has to go all the way from educating officials, educating owners, educating coaches, educating players. How do you go through that process and make sure that everybody is on the same page, theoretically, before the season starts? Yeah, you know, but that was an enjoyable part enjoyable part of it because um, I got the opportunity to go visit with clubs and their entire coaching staff. And, uh, and, and so you, you got, you know, personal conversation so you could get a little bit more in depth and you know the owners the owners were at when rules get changed they have to be passed by ownership and so ownership has to be in the same room so most of the time i don't think the owners really give a crap about the rules they just give a crap about the results and um and so they're not they're not that educated and when it comes to voting for the actual rule or voting against it coach mack wouldn't you agree their head coach is going to tell them what to do whether to no, you're, say you're, you're yes so, or no you're so spot on i mean you're, you're yeah, absolutely so, right and that's the, that's so the, that's they, the way it works but you get a general manager or two that um yes. seem to be a little bit active um one who here you know i'm at the Hall of part of the Hall of Fame uh, festivities this year, and and you know Bill Polian was a was a was an Irishman that's a true Irishman. Yes, and, sir. Uh, <laughs> he's like the greatest guy when it's the off season, um, but when 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 in season, he was a tyrant on the phone <laughs> to me, and it was it was a weekly phone call, and um, and and we we laugh about it now and we laugh about the hard time that he gave me but um but again it's uh i you know i think in a way um teaching people those teaching the 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 players and the coaches i think teaching them the rules um i think that was easy or i shouldn't say easy but it wasn't as difficult as trying to teach the media the rules because they think they already know them. Um, the people in the booth, um, the the com the analysts and the play by play guys. Um, that's the one thing when I was an official that frustrated me the most was listening to an ex head coach or an ex quarterback or a play by play guy who's never officiated in their life. And they're telling you how crappy you are and how you blew this call. And they, A, have no idea how difficult it is. And B, half the time, they didn't even know the rules that are being used. And when I, that's probably why I got hired at Fox, because David Hill really wanted me to educate his own announcers. I mean, when they did, when they did actually, they did surveys with their fans, the the second most important things that fans expected from the announcers were knowledge of the rules and, and it was woefully short. And so, you know, (laughs) I now treat our announcers at Fox. I treat them like officials. We do weekly training tapes, both for our NFL crews and our NCAA crews. And, and I'm a little bit partial right now, but I think that our announcers are better in terms of rules knowledge than any other of the networks. But I mean, that's fun. I mean, I've learned now that, uh, you know, that commentators want to be right, but 
They haven't studied the rule book for 40 some odd years like I have. So you can't expect them to be right. So that's my job is to educate them. But I'm smart enough, Coach Matt, <laughs> not to over-educate them. Because if I over-educate them, then I cost myself a job. Yeah, well, you'll, so never, I, you'll never cost yeah. yourself a job. Uh, I've got one more for you, and then we're going to let you go because you've got a game to do tonight that we're all going to be watching. Uh, it's talking about rules. I remember, I mean, you, you, were, you were in charge, you know, for the officiating crews. And the, the year that the tuck rule happened. And then at the at the owners' meeting, when you explained the tuck rule to the whole group, because uh, you know Amy Trask was with the Raiders at the time, and she brought a football, she brought a football in there and said, "Just explain this to me." I was so impressed, but the way that you were able to disarm that whole volatile situation in front of look and if people have never been to we'll let them inside a little bit when we were letting them people on the inside they've never been to an owners' meeting it was head coaches it was owners. And then it was, you know, and then you get one chance in an open session for everybody to bring their, their thoughts there. And, uh, can, can you just tell us that a little bit? Because I was so impressed with you. I'm sitting there, and I wanted to start a standing ovation going, this is amazing that he could do that. Go ahead. Well, you know, the, the funny thing is, Coach, this, this whole thing starts when I'm actually sitting. This play happens when I'm in St. Louis. Um, and I was in St. Louis for a playoff game. And, and um I, I was watching the game and it was in New England and I was in my hotel room. And to me, there's something beautiful about football in the snow. I mean, it's, it, the, the, the it's quiet. I mean, and it's just spectacular. And I thought that game was, was really great. And I was enjoying it so much. And I did happen to have a bottle of wine. At my <laughs> so, as the game went on, I mean, I popped that bottle of wine and I probably, I'm going to say I was probably two thirds the way through that bottle of wine when that play happened. And so I'm, I'm, I'm a little looped and, and this play happens and I'm thinking, I see the play happen and I go fumble Raiders recover uh, games over. And then the first replay I went, Oh no. This is the tuck rule. Wow. They're going to reverse this to an incomplete pass. And I said, I'm looking at my phone on the bed and going, my phone is going to erupt when they change this. And so, and they walk home and makes the announcement mm -hmm. that, you know, that it was a, an incomplete pass. And I mean, within 15 seconds, my phone started to go nuts and, it's probably good that I had consumed two thirds of a bottle of wine because, because I was pretty calm as I was talking to the commissioner and I was talking to the head of PR for the NFL, Greg Aiello, who said, you better be prepared. And who said, they're going to tomorrow. You need to go on ESPN before the game and explain this tuck rule. Um, so um, that's a rule that, you know, by the time that weekend was over, I knew that rule probably better than any um, rule in the book. And, of course, in the owner's meeting, Amy, um, who actually, Amy Trask, who is now with CBS, uh, we became really pretty close friends. But yes. it certainly wasn't that way for a while. But uh, it's just, it was the rule. And everybody thought that we made up the rule. And then... <laughs> Everybody in the Raiders sent me a fax, which is just a picture 
and what they still picture, it never gives you the story. No. Um, and so, um, it's, it's, it's to this day that, um, I still do hear about that and, um, and it still does come up once in a while, but you know, if you ask about the two plays maybe that have had the most impact in my career, it's that one. And then maybe it was the Calvin Johnson incomplete pass uh, to, yes. to start the 2010 season, which was the first time that I went on television to try to explain what uh, Gene Steratore and instant replay was going to do if they were going to leave it uh, to an incomplete pass, which they ended up ruling on the field. I said they would, and they did. And um, after they picked me up off the floor in the studios um, in New York, because I was so uh, I was so nervous during that whole thing. Those two plays probably had the, the biggest impact on these two parts of my career. Mike Pereira, this those story right there, that it's it's why you are the absolute best. And I say that with all sincerity. And, you know, you've already said that we were friends, but even if we weren't. <laughs> this is the beauty of Mike Pereira. You can explain mm -hmm. things and get it down to the level. Mike, you just don't know how much we appreciate uh, what you've done. We know you've got to go to work. Uh, Amy's going to wrap this up, but uh, let's talk again. I know we'll, I'll see you during the season, but this has been you outstanding, I look, brother. I, I look forward you, to that. You are the best. Mike, we cannot thank you enough for spending some time with us. We're definitely going to be calling you during the season because we're probably going to have some questions. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm sure you probably will. But the difference, <laughs> the difference, Amy, is this. Um, I do get a lot of calls during the season. I do get a lot of requests during the season. And usually it's a reaction to something that happened badly, um, you know, to – to the uh, uh, broadcast station, but uh, but I and and so I'm I've gotten good gotten good at knowing how to duck those, but um, but I will never duck your calls. Um, anytime you want me to come on, I will be happy to do so. Awesome. Mac, that was fantastic. Well, I told you it's going to be. Did that. It's true. You're I, not I wrong. Told you it was going to be because he's so professional, and plus he just he understands, he gets it from all different aspects. And now you know he's the number one guy at Fox. You know, with Troy Aikman and, and Joe Buck. I mean, he is he is just the best. He really is. But he's the best because he understands it and he can explain it. And also he's 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 he never wavers. He never wavers, and uh, it's just so fantastic to have him on. And I know our listeners really love listening to him. Plus, what great stories. And they're all true. Oh, and my And they're gosh. all true. And, and that's what's going to be so good about this Titans Amy Coach Mac podcast. Anybody we bring on here is going to talk to us because we're going to have people that don't normally do these things. And so when they get on, they're just going to talk like they're talking to us. And now they can talk to a million listeners. A million listeners. Wow. I love that number. Every time you say it, it sounds good to me. You know what else sounds good? Farm Bureau health plans. Don't get sacked by the high cost of health care. Make Farm Bureau health plans your first line of protection. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. Coach Mack, we got to move on here because it is Colts week. The Indianapolis Colts are coming to Nissan Stadium this Sunday. I'm so excited for a division game because division games, they just mean more. They have that energy to them. 
And the Titans and Colts have an interesting history because did you know the last five matchups between these two teams, the road team has won in the last five matchups. That's odd, right? Well, it is odd, and I do know it because I was here. But the the, the, <laughs> the thing the thing about it is, and you emphasize it, but that 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 points out too. Let, let me say this about the importance of that: whenever you win a road division game, it's like winning two games because you steal that game at their place, and then you've got them at your place, and so that's that's important. And and the division games always mean more, and especially now with with the more teams that are in the playoffs now. We've got a 17-week regular season. You've got to win your division games. I mean, that's extremely important. Uh, when you're in the AFC, you've got to win your division games. You've got to win your AFC games because that's the way you get into the tournament. And this Indianapolis game, this has always been, always been. Uh, eight and now five. This is the this is the 12th one I've been in involved in. Uh, no, 13. It's West Texas math. The the, the thir- <laughs> 13 of them, it's always interesting. I mean, it really is because, I mean, the old saying we had in West Texas, when you have two opponents like this get together, it's blood on the moon because you go at it. And these guys, are they're going to go at it. So how do the Titans change that narrative, get that win at home, and start off their division play on the right foot. Well, they've got it. They've got it. They've got to start like they finished up there in Seattle, and, and Seattle is already in the books. That's passed. But you have to you have to understand that to be able to do this, you've got to stay true to your character. And your character is you're a physical football team, and you've got to be able to impose that will on your on your opponent. And at the same time, defensively, you've got to keep your opponents from having explosive plays. I mean, that's going to be very very big. They did a nice job on third down. Up there in Seattle, you got to continue that. That's got to be a weekly thing in the National Football League. And really, it doesn't really matter once you start playing division games as to what the records are. It's a different type of a thing, and this is going to be good this week. Now, a little wild card here, a little asterisk to this whole thing, is the Indianapolis Colts are struggling with the injury bug a little bit. They are hurting, for lack of a better term. There's question marks at a lot of different positions. How is that going to impact the preparation for both teams? Well, uh, the the Titans have had their injury issues also. So the National Football League, your chance of being injured are 100%. Somebody's going to be out, and then you have to have somebody step up. We had it last week. They also had it last week. So you really don't, don't concern yourself with who's not playing. You have to really concern yourself with who is playing. And that's part of, that's part of having an active roster that the, the person that has to step up and fill a starter role, then he's a starter. I mean, that's just the way it is. And so that's what you have to do. The thing that's going to be unusual about this, Amy, is the quarterback situation up there at Indy. I mean, we could see one of three, you know, and, 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 and they will keep that quiet till the end that all three of them are, are different. But for the Titans, they will prepare for every one of them, and then they will be ready because you never assume anything of, a, of your opponent. And so you prepare for all of them and all of the quarterbacks. Now, the base of their offense is going to stay the same, but the play from the quarterback position might be different depending on who's playing. The word that gets thrown around a lot especially amongst fans, is trap game. This could be a trap game. The Colts are 0-2. They're coming in here. They're a little banged up. Tell me why this is not a trap game. Well, it's not a trap game until you get beat. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, that's just, you know, and and, and, and I think the reason is is because, you know, people believe, and, 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 
they have some merit to it. Is it coming off a big, big time win, especially when you travel across the country? You know, are you going to be able to emotionally get back to that peak? You know, that you ended with. You know, in your last ball game, that was a, a tremendous victory. Well, what you've got to do as players and coaches and a locker room is, is you know. Start to simmer it down. You can celebrate there at the game in the locker room, but then then it's you start to level it back down, and then start to bring the level back up. Because the reality of it is, this game, this game is the most important game, and so you know I, I can understand where the theory comes in as far as a trap game. Because what people when they say that they say the devastation of not being able to continue what you have started, that is the problem. All right. So as I say, it's not a trap till you lose. Are there keys to victory, Mac, that stick out to you right away? Yeah, no explosive plays for Andy. That that's big to me. I mean, it's going to be big uh, because the, that that has been that has been the one Achilles' heel so far in two weeks. This defense has given up explosive plays. They've played in good stretches, but in the National Football League, because everybody's so even, Amy, explosive plays can sometimes you know be the seesaw tipper, and so we've got to stay away from that. The other thing is in this ball game, field position is going to be big, and so the kicking game, kick coverage game. And kick return game, you know, both, you know, kickoffs are not a lot of kickoffs returned in the National Football League unless they kick it short to make you return it. Uh, but the punt game, it, it, you've got to be able to win the hidden yardage when you play, you're playing a game like this. And then the other thing that you have to be able to do is when you're playing this type of a defense, you need to possess the ball against them. You can't let them start getting on a roll, uh, getting you three and out, three and out, three and out, because that, that generates momentum, and that gives them more chances to try more things on offense against you. Mac, another thing that's happening at Nissan Stadium this week, while the Colts game is very important, it is also Oilers Tribute Week, which is a really awesome thing that Amy Adams Strunk is spearheading. She's bringing in former Oilers into Nashville and is celebrating them for the weekend. We've been seeing all kinds of things on social media, kind of recognizing the Oilers and this franchise's history. And now we're going to see it on Sunday. And the whole thing is headlined by Bum Phillips being put into the Ring of Honor at Nissan Stadium. So many awesome things. So I wanted to ask you, seeing that you've been in the National Football League for 984 years. Um, Longer than you've been alive. Yeah, I haven't been alive for 984 years. What are your memories of the Houston Oilers? You're a Texas guy. You've been around the league for a long time. Tell me about the Houston Oilers and Coach Mack. Well, the Houston Oilers, I was an Oilers fan because they were the other team other than the Cowboys. I'm sitting here right now with my, my throwback Oilers, Oil Derek blue hat. In 1969, when I was just getting ready to graduate from high school, I, I, was, I was at a summer camp in Hunt, Texas, uh, Camp Stewart. The people that owned it were big University of Texas people. They were recruiting me. You know, and so we went to the the Oilers had a had their training camp at Shriner Institute in Kerrville, Texas. And so they said, would you like to go? We could get you in. I said, would I like to go? And so I went up there. They had Charlie Toller. They had all the group. I mean, it was great. Now, think about that a minute. I'm probably the only one that's on this million people that are listening that was ever at the Oilers training camp in 1969 
at Shriner Institute in Kerrville, Texas. I love what Amy Adams Strunk is doing with this. I mean, they are a huge part. Of, that is a foundation of this franchise. The players that are coming in are fabulous. I can't wait to see them, talk to them. One, I really want to see Mike Renfro, who's a frog, you know, that, that, that caught the pass against the Steelers in the playoff game that was a touchdown, talking about bad officiating. Uh, <laughs> that they, they called it no, full circle. And so, anyway, I, I'm so happy that we're doing this. And putting Bum Phillips into the ring of honor is so appropriate. Amy Adams Strunk is just she, – she hits all the right notes, you know, in, in, as far as to what she's doing. It's going to be a big weekend. I'm looking forward to it. And for Amy, it's so important that these former players who were part of the Oilers franchise feel like they have a home. They kind of haven't had a resting place in a long time because – the Oilers aren't really a part of Texans' history. They came here. They don't really associate all of the time with Nashville and this city. So to give them a place and to say that we recognize you, we feel like you are the foundation of this organization is really cool. And I'm so excited to get everybody out to Nissan Stadium, really spend the day recognizing them. I know there are so many cool things planned for the game in the stadium. Uh, so come on out to Nissan Stadium. It's going to be a fun game. It's going to be intense. And we're going to be recognizing the foundation of this Titans franchise. Yeah, as I say, I just, I'm just i so excited about it. And, and, again, just another big plus check mark for Amy Adams Strunk and what she's doing with this franchise. Plus the Ring of Honor is redesigned, and it looks very cool. It's really cool. Yeah. It's I've, really cool. And the thing that's cool about it is it's it's so much better than it was. It's really not, And this is going to be temporary, too. You know, When they start to reconfigure it, it'll be even cooler. I'm telling you what, we are just making gains here for the Tennessee Titans, including adding this new podcast. Mac, I'm fired up about this. I'm so excited about the Titans, Amy, and Coach Mac podcast and all million of our listeners. Our million listeners will not be disappointed every week. Promise you. For Amy Wells, Titans Amy, and Coach Mac, Dave McGinnis, thank you so much for listening to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast.